Choosing a career in sales is a risk many people aren't willing to take. But if you can handle the risk, a sales career can be the most rewarding challenge you'll ever face. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the place where we study together how to win at the game of sales by examining unique strategies behind successful sales efforts and seek ways to find our own success in what continues to be a fascinatingly complex marketplace. If your goal is to create a standout sales career amidst the noise and endless competition, these discussions with leaders in the field will inform, educate, entertain, and inspire you. Get ready to uncover your unfair advantage. Welcome to the So You're in Sales podcast. This episode of the So You're in Sales podcast is brought to you by Badger Maps. Do you work in field sales? then you've experienced what I've experienced, leaving the house, driving around, visiting customers, and popping into potential new accounts without having a real plan of action. It's easy to waste time driving around until I tried Badger. Badger's a route planner for field sales teams, and it can help you sell up to 25% more by optimizing your driving routes and meeting schedule. Cool, right? Badger can knock 20% off the amount of time you spend driving around each day, and that's more time to get deals closed. Badger will also automatically update your customer information in your CRM, so it'll get your sales manager off your back too. Never be late to a sales meeting again, and start your free trial of Badger Maps today by heading to badgermaps.com slash podcast. That's badgermaps.com podcast and start your free trial today. Way back in episode 94 in early 2021, I had the good fortune to welcome Jay Akunzo onto the program. For the uninitiated, Jay Akunzo is a very prolific content creator across multiple categories, produces a number of podcasts, he writes an excellent newsletter, and he's done some longer form video content as well. It's all really built around creating Jay's space in being able to offer his approach to competitive differentiation. And he came on the show and talked to me about the So You're in Sales podcast and presented a bit of a challenge to me at the time, a challenge in which I am starting to realize by virtue of this particular episode of the show. In this episode, I welcome in Nick Christock, who is the founder of the nonprofit organization Fleece and Thank You and also the founder of the for-profit organization called Kind Catch. You'll be able to learn more about both of those organizations during the course of the interview, but this show, as will be the case going forward, will focus specifically on the ways that purpose as a competitive differentiator serves organizations well. If that's something that you're interested in learning more about, you will have come to the right place by visiting me every two weeks on what is now the So You're in Sales podcast, but that also will be changing. We're going to crowdsource ideas for a new name for the show as we pivot and start to focus specifically on purpose as a competitive differentiator in the marketplace. So... I hope you enjoy this conversation and what it will represent in the evolution of what we're doing here on the program. Let's do the thing. It's happening. <laughs> Let's do the thing. Well, you started telling me yesterday about how I think the irony of the timing of this conversation, um, and you left me on a cliffhanger. So 
you had to stay you had to stay all night long you had to worry about what was it that roger was trying to tell me i didn't sleep a wink uh, <laughs> so nick i was telling you a story about how for followers of the show they'll know the story already about like i never wanted to be seen as the salesperson salesperson just not who i am so this show has always been about the mechanics of being a salesperson right so and i think more so now more than ever as the great resignation forces people into making decisions about what they really want to do with their lives and many of those people in that decision making are thinking about well maybe i should do something for myself which is great many of us should be an entrepreneur but that doesn't mean that you know how to sell Mm -hmm. And there is mechanics that go into the discipline of being a salesperson that I've always felt like the So You're In Sales podcast has been really all about is digging into how can you set yourself up for success by studying other people who have figured out a way to make what they do stand out from their competition in their own marketplace. Fair? Mm -hmm. Make sense? Totally. Right. So what I've come to what I've come to recognize and appreciate is that I have a very unique value proposition and a key differentiator that's based around purpose. Okay. And I think it's high time that this show stopped just focusing on sales as a discipline and started examining how do businesses and entrepreneurs who are using purpose as their key differentiator stand out in the marketplace? So maybe Nick Christock knows a little bit about this topic because of your prologue and everything that came into, like you were a competitor. You, uh, well, we're gonna let you kind of tell the story about how you arrived at what you've arrived at. However, I know that you, as well as anyone, understands why a purpose-led strategy can serve you well in things like, I don't know, a pandemic, a global supply chain meltdown, all of the things that have been happening to us as business people in the last 24 to 36 months have really forced a number of people to really decide, like, why am I in business? Why am I here? What is it about what we do that would make people want to support us through what has been a hellish time in commerce. Mm -hmm. So having framed that, I want you to give a little, so tell the people, tell the people about your backstory, Nick, and kind of how you arrived at what it is that you do for a living. Because I think these two, these two topics are very, very, very well aligned. I love it. Great setup there. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Um, born and raised in Michigan. So Midwest roots, right? And we know what that is always knew like i always had a desire to just do as be involved in as many things as i possibly could and ask a thousand questions a day and that was that was my nature growing up very curious to a fault always trying to be involved in anything i could mm -hmm. uh soccer and hockey were my thing played those through high school soccer and hockey into college and uh when i got to the end of college all the opportunities in front of me here in the US, we're all just me fitting into expectations that other people had 
of what I was going to do with my life. And none of them were the doors that I wanted to walk through. Yeah, man. Door opened up to play soccer overseas in Australia. I didn't know a soul on the continent. Uh, really had only, you know, heard about it in, in books or movies and knew there was gurus <laughs> and, and crazy things like that. And took this opportunity and said, you know what, this is the only door that isn't one of these here. So I'm going to do it. And I got on a plane and with a one-way ticket, moved to Australia, uh, to a continent where I didn't know a soul and, uh, had a career in soccer and went with a one-year deal, just wanting to get away for a year and really figure myself out. Could have never prepared myself for what it takes to build a life from scratch when you don't know anyone. And I got eight months into a nine month season, woke up one morning and I know like a lot of life um, doesn't happen in a moment. It's an accumulation of moments, but it was truly a moment for me. I woke up one morning and said, holy smokes, I've got a month left and I am no closer to figuring out what I want to do with my life. That week, the team put another year contract across the table and I didn't even call home. I just signed it right away because I knew I needed to come back. And that second season when I came back, I stepped back into the life that I had built and was able to really just spend my time on the things that were important to me. And that was the philanthropic space. So I started volunteering with five different organizations every day of the week. I was either working with kids in the hospital or serving our homeless friends on the street. And through putting my time into that, like anything, the, what you give your time to, your heart goes with you. I just knew that I needed to be in the social impact space. So moved back to Michigan in 2015, got a text message from my twin sister as I'm landing in the US. Hey, when you get a free minute, can you make a blanket for a kid in the hospital? Uh, start asking questions because that's what I do. How many yeah. do you need? How often do you need them? Her answer was back to me. Always need blankets, change the room, never have enough. And I'm like, wait a second, you're one of the best hospitals in the country. What do you mean you don't have enough of something you need? Pick up the phone, call every hospital in the state of Michigan. Everyone gives me the same answers. And I said, not rocket science. Let's just figure out how many kids go to the hospital. and Let's make that many blankets. And even <laughs> just the color and comfort. When Roger makes a blanket, he should be able to make a video message. And that should travel to Chloe in the hospital because I saw how badly these kids needed connection. And so looked around. There wasn't a tool that allowed me to do that at scale. So jumped on Code Academy, grabbed a buddy, and we built one ourselves just for us to use. And that is what really took Fleece and Thank You off was this concept of I can see the blanket maker and the blanket recipient in the exchange. And yeah. organizations started reaching out, asking if they could use that tool. And that started a multi-year journey that then segued into its own technology company called KindCatch. And today I get the absolute privilege to be the CEO and founder of both companies and lead amazing teams on, on both sides that do things that are just far greater than one person could do alone. Welcome to the show, sir. This is exactly the right person to be here. All right. So you started your career with this idea in mind. All right. So here's what I wrote. Here's what an entrepreneur does. They identify a gap. They create a scalable system. They develop relevant marketing and they execute like crazy. Whether you're a social entrepreneur or just a traditional entrepreneur, that does not change. Mm -hmm. That's the beautiful part about this paradox is regardless of what you're doing from an alignment perspective, the structure of what you need to do to be successful does not change. However, the result is what's different. For the traditional entrepreneur, it's dollars. We're after dollars. We're using the gap that we've identified as a way to maybe uh, create some wealth. 
What's the difference in social entrepreneurship? You you know this as well as anyone. How does that differ from the traditional entrepreneur? I think the, the destination is a different destination, right? And you know the destination from the day you start in a lot of cases. And that's what you're pushing towards. And so for me, you can't build a business if it's not sustainable. And a sustainable business is one that is profitable. No matter what industry you're in, for-profit and nonprofit. And we can take the hood off of nonprofits in that structure at any point in this conversation. I love doing that because there's a stigma there. But every business that is that can stick around for more than 12 months is profitable in some way. It's just a question of is profitability the ultimate destination or is profitability a step to the final destination of what good are we going to do in the world? And I think that at its highest point, the destination of a for of a social impact business has a different destination that doesn't end at profitability. And as someone who began this journey prior to the current socioeconomic political climate, in your opinion, how have those attitudes changed towards social enterprise in this period in in your mind something interesting i mean we're all the the pandemic was one where i mean everyone had an opinion and it was just which opinion was louder right and so take my opinion with the grain of salt whoever's listening to this but this is what i saw over the last 24 months what i saw was a world where a, a traumatic you know global event happens and it causes you to to look inward for a moment and then it, what's come out of it is a, is a world where people are hyper-focused on prioritizing their time on the things that matter to them. What that results in is a category of consumer, uh, a customer, a donor, whatever it is to a business that is so hyper-personalized in the choices that they make that as a business on the business side, we have to respond to that with the way that we talk to them with hyper-personalized communication and marketing. Because if we don't, they're just not interested anymore in being mass marketed to. They're not interested in mass messaging. They wanna know, why do my values align with your values? Because since the pandemic, I really only wanna spend my time on the people and things that my values align with, and I only wanna spend my dollars on those things too. And that's the shift that I think we're seeing. And so for a business, you have to rise to the occasion and be hyper-personalized in your messaging, but appeal to some different destination than just a product that is a good price and someone gets you know some superficial value from it. You just got to reach for something higher than that, or I think you'll just miss the boat. The long-term viability is really to me, what I've witnessed in this period is you can still transactionally get by. Like there's still going to be people who will stop by for a minute and pick up what you're selling, but their commitment to your success doesn't exist. On the flip, there's if I as a consumer can identify personally with your values as an organization because I can see them I'm going to spend more, I'm going to stick around longer, and I'm probably going to bring you some other people mm -hmm. because, hey, Nick, have you met Roger? 
I know that from our time together that our values are in alignment and I've found this guy. So let me bring you over to him because I know that you're going to benefit in the same way that I am from what that person is doing. Have you seen examples of this in, in your travels? Like are as the, especially on the fleece and thank you side, are you seeing a change in like the nature of the discussions that people are approaching you with? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I totally see now we are in like, it is a retention game in my opinion right now. It is a retention game. Like there are a lot of businesses that can get a customer into your point, but it is so short term. And so the conversations that we're having as a team here are where they used to be maybe 80, 20, 80 of how do we bring in new donors? It's like 50, 50, if not starting to swing to the balance of, Hey, we know we can bring in a Roger, but we have to be, passionately obsessed with how we can keep Roger into the fold because pre-pandemic, and I think there was this big shift pre-pandemic, the sea was wide and people could transact and somewhat still be in your sphere. But I really feel like the sphere shrunk, meaning you now have to find the people that are just so passionate about what you do and keep them in your sphere, or they're just going to go to another sphere and never come inside yours again. And I do think that we see that in the donors that we work with and you know the customers that we transact with on the kind catch side the business person in me is puzzled because i'm used to developing a relationship so if it, this opportunity is transactional in nature and you don't stick around that like i feel that mm-hmm. and your departure to me is noteworthy not because you left but because i didn't get a chance to find out why Mm-hmm. Right. And so in the book, for those of you who don't know, Roger wrote a book. We talk about the no like trust continuum. OK, so that age old adage in sales is people buy from people they know, like and trust. But that adage is so universally agreed upon that most people don't even think about what that statement really means, much less consider how does one go from no to like to trust. And for those who may even give it some thought, a lot of people consider it to be a linear process. So I'm just, by nature of just pure interaction, we're going to go from one to the next to the next. And I know that you've known people for a long time that you don't trust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's no amount of time in the world that's going to build a trust-based relationship between you and that person because your values are not in alignment. It's clear from their messaging that their values and your values do not align. So you may keep them in your orbit. Mm -hmm. They never get to a place where they've earned that vaunted position, which is the trust spot. And so, Nick, you got called on during the pandemic. You got cold called. How did that feel? Yeah, it it felt like they didn't know my destination, right? Like the if you yeah, didn't didn't know my destination, if you. If I want to go somewhere and you pull up in the car, Roger, and the way the direction you want to go is completely opposite of the one I'm going, it's like, I, you know, I'm probably going to be polite and say, thanks for offering, but, uh, I just not going in that direction. So it's just, you know, that whole period of time where we had those interactions with people that had not achieved a level of trust with us that we felt was requisite for the kind of conversation that that person wanted to have and no knock on that person. They were just trying to do their job. But what hadn't happened was 
There's no system in place for that person to recognize where am I on this no like trust continuum to understand what my activities should be with a prospect in this moment. Because if you're a life insurance salesperson and you cold call me when a member of my family has COVID and is on their deathbed, I'm not happy, I'm not happy. It created sort of a flashpoint of I can be a little bit more aggressive towards you in my disdain for your practice because the veneer of professionalism had been removed because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And what we saw was Nick and Roger and every other person in the world who needed to do a transaction during that very high stakes period. We only did business with people we had the utmost trust in. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there lies this amazing opportunity in sales right now, based on where we're at and what's going on in life to recognize and appreciate that if you can build trust based activities, that give you the opportunity to have people see you for what you really want them to see you for. It's actually amplified itself to the point where you and I just attended an, an event where we saw trust based relationships flourishing because people had done the work to create the relationships to allow themselves the opportunity to be in that situation for you in what you're doing. Cause I think you're an interesting example because you have your for-profit hat and then you have your nonprofit hat. Where have you seen the manifestation of what I'm talking about in either side of what you do? Like, do you have some examples of what I'm talking about? I think in the last 12 months, for sure, I have less thought about, I need to, sell as many people as I can and more thought about, I need to invest my time into finding communities and people that I know are going to the same destination, getting into the conversation, adding value in any way I can add value. And, uh, and then the business will, you know, my business will grow because of that. And I don't know if that's a vague answer, but, um, but it's, it's what I, what's on my heart to say. It's like, I really feel like I'm just on a discovery of, Cool. Are you going to the same destination as me? Awesome. Uh, you know, how can I help you get there quicker? Because then I'll get there quicker. It kind of goes back to, I, and it's so odd that we keep coming back to this one word, transactional versus relational. And through nature, through nurture, through training, through management, through business strategy, most salespeople have been trained in a transactional mindset. Quotas. Quota in and of itself is a transactional uh, construct. Like you need to do a certain amount of productivity in order to achieve a level of uh, 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 success that allows you the opportunity to continue to work for me. Mm -hmm. Versus I know with certainty that there is a community of people who would buy what I sell if they only knew about us. And if I, as the steward of the sales effort within my organization, can find those people, that does not begin the transaction. It begins the relationship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if we can just get people to move in the direction of understanding where you are in this no like trust continuum so that you know what activities as a relationship builder you should be focused upon in that moment 
you give yourself the best opportunity possible to be able to build the relationship that could ultimately yield itself to business. Because what you and I know, Nick, is when we are in each other's company, we're not talking about the business that we're going to do with one another. We're talking about the things that are building our relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's hard because if you need a paycheck, if you're like you got bills and you need those commission dollars and the only way to do that is to close some business, I get it. But if you haven't done the work up front to create an opportunity to recognize where am I with what group of people that if I need to get some orders today, whom have I built the requisite level of trust with that I could make that kind of phone call and say, hey, Nick, I'm in a spot right now where I could use some of your dollars. Are you comfortable with giving them to me at this juncture? Mm -hmm. And if we've not worked on everything that's necessary up front to put me in that position, think about the way the nature of that conversation changes. Mm -hmm. So for, for us as practitioners of that, I think we're really where the magic is, is can you appreciate and recognize the need to play a long game? Mm-hmm. Right. Long, for sure. I talk about the long play every week. Yep. So expound, like what, what, if you were, if you were sitting in the opposite chair, what, what would you be talking about from that perspective? Yeah. The, the long play for sure is a give, 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 ask mentality. You yep. can't, you can't move the ask out of order in that. Like, I think I said, give five times there, right? Yeah. Like, that is the long play in it in a, at its core, right? And we're in a world when we talk about purpose. What's also interesting, Roger, is the whole. I'd say majority of the world now is more focused on purpose. But what that's also shown us is that a lot of people hadn't taken much time at all to even think about what their purpose was. Right. And so now we've got a whole nother element of the conversation where it's not just about me finding people who I share purpose and destination with. I also have to be really tactful in how I communicate my purpose so that it can connect with someone who's out there. And there are a lot of people out there. And some days I'm one of them of who wake up and say like, gosh, I know I have so much more to give. And like, this world's got to be just bigger than, than what's going on right now. But I just don't know what the purpose is. I don't know my destination. And yeah. so that, I mean, that's a whole nother segment of the conversation. Of, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's uh it's an interesting time. That's for sure. And you can almost sense it on people now that maybe someone who was completely oblivious to this pre-pandemic, you can see people on their journeys to recognize like, okay, like the way I was doing stuff is not working now. Mm-hmm. And so I've got to figure out because I'm in pain over the fact that my previous approach is no longer effective it's creating impetus for change but many people aren't in a clear spot to understand like okay what the hell should i do as you as you talked the idea itself finally closed the circle roger okay which is that give 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 ask if ask is out of order on the first like on the first and second give, someone maybe didn't know their purpose yet, right? But it wasn't until my third or fourth give that they said, oh, yeah, actually, I do share the same destination as you, Nick. And that's why the ask came after the fifth, you know, give. But if yep. the ask had been before the first or second give, 
they didn't know yet. And so that's the long play right there, summed up. Yeah. Most people struggle is even if they know their purpose, even if they have a strong sense of their why, they don't have the mechanics worked out of what that's supposed to look like. And so what you and I get as a result is a disjointed effort mm -hmm. to the point where it starts to not really make any sense. Like what's even going like before, if you were just pitching me all the time, I could write that off as like, okay, you've been trained in that and that's what you're doing at school. But now you come and you share your vision with me and then I'm expecting you to show me something that's going to be a reflection of the fact that you want to reinforce that you have this vision. And then you go straight to pitch. I, it's worse. Mm -hmm. It's worse, right? It's <laughs> Exercises, um, places on the internet. I mean, what, what would be your advice to someone who, if we just describe them and they're like, oh my God, that's me. Like, what would be your advice to that person? If there's someone who gets the value, value request out of order right? If, if I'm talking to that person, I think that it's probably an, an identity crisis, right? Like make sure you know your value, make sure you know your destination, make sure you know your purpose. If you want to even have a shot at attracting people to transact with you at some point that right. share that value or purpose. So step one is that, and the easiest way to know your core values is to make a list of the five people in your life that are closest to you and underneath each of their names, write five adjectives about that person. You have now a list of 25 words. Your core values are in that list and you pick out the top five from that list. And that is who you are. And you write that on your heart and you speak that every day. Like that is the best first step that I would give to someone who says, I don't really know my North star right now. That's the easiest way to figure it out. Five closest people in your life, five adjectives of each one, somewhere on that list of 25 words are your five core values. 29 minutes and 22 seconds into the conversation, and we just gave you the keys to the kingdom right there. <laughs> the five people, the five adjectives, and you're right. There are themes that are going to reveal themselves in that exercise that in the examination of those words, you're going to start to see the theme to the point where you go like, hey, these are the reason why I gravitate towards these people, because those adjectives, when collected and examined, you're going to identify with a key number of those that you're going to go, yep, those, that's exactly it. So right at the 30 minute mark, we're going to we're going to conclude the audio portion of the So You're In Sales podcast, Nick. Thank you for that. So, ah, uh, 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 you're going to have to come back and visit us next Wednesday for the bonus content section of what right now is known as the So You're In Sales podcast. So you, there you have it. The case for social entrepreneurship from a guy who started his business career with a social entrepreneur idea in mind that then spawned a for-profit business. It's a really unique story. I thought there was tons of insight in there. Obviously, it's speaking to me from a place that I identify with, but I'm hoping that by virtue of me sharing these stories with you, that if we've not yet woken up your inspiration, we're gonna get after doing that. You know my age-old saying, which is if you hang around with inspirational people long enough, you're bound to be inspired. It's like osmosis, and it is my responsibility to continue to bring you evidence 
and stories about people doing good in the world, using their businesses as superpowers for social good, so that maybe you yourself will find your own inspiration. Until next time, this is Roger signing off.